Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him, and there is no fear in love. It really comes down to a distinction as wide as the chasm that our Lord talked about between where Lazarus ascended to the bosom of, the, of Abraham and the rich man descended to Hades, a chasm that cannot be crossed. It is the difference between love and fear. Love is of God. God is love. He is the one who has provided for us and given us all things, the one who has covered our sins and who has redeemed us. He is the one who says, I have come to save the world, not condemn the world. Satan, on the other hand, would have you think that God is fear. He would have you believe that you stand condemned. He does a great job whispering in your ears, reminding you of all the things you have done wrong, all the things which you rightly should be condemned for. Those sins which go against the word of God, those sins which we should never do. He's the one who can bring to mind those instances and cause you all over again to feel the guilt and shame of what you have done wrong. And likewise, to worry then about judgment. We face it. It is coming. We, can, we will confess it momentarily how the Lord will come again to judge the living and the dead. And yet, John would have us understand what that day of judgment means for us both then and now. At the end of the day, there is no middle ground. There are two paths. There's the path of love and there's the path of fear. And today, let us understand what that means. When John says that God is love and we are called to love our brother and that we love because he first loved us, he is announcing and declaring how we as God's children focus on what our Lord himself does, which is on forgiveness and healing. That we have the word of the Lord which says, I have come to redeem you. That I have come and went to that cross to shed my, to, to shed my blood for you. For your forgiveness. That your sins are forgiven. We know how it is when we examine ourselves. When we rightly look in the mirror, we know who we are. How many of the Ten Commandments have we already broken this morning? How many times have we failed our neighbor? How many times have we given in to lust? How many times have we given in to deceit? How many times have we given in to coveting? And how many times have we crossed over and actually acted on our thoughts? And yet, amazingly, we stand here not cowering before God, but we stand in redemption because he has forgiven us. And John now proclaims as we go into the world, that is the message we take out. It's far different than a message of fear. A fear says you are only worthy of God if you're good enough. Fear says you have to obtain the proper level. You have to do what is right. You have to keep the commandments perfectly. Fear is the attitude where you go forth and you insist that someone is of the proper attitude or the proper actions or the proper thoughts before you even begin to consider telling them about Jesus. You may have heard indeed how 
One of the very central truths of preaching, especially in the Lutheran, Lutheran church, is the proper distinction between law and gospel. But it goes without saying, and Walther himself would, as he has proclaimed, the one who wrote the book for our synod, that that doesn't mean you preach law then gospel. There is a proper balance between the two. And when you preach the law first and insist that the law is kept before you can hear the gospel, you've, do, you've done away with the gospel itself. Are you good enough for God? Have you made him happy today? That is an attitude of fear. Because at the end of the day, that says, if you have not, you face judgment. And at the end, it's also about control. If you're not good enough, then who wants you? John says there is no fear in love. And why is that? Because amazingly, we have been reconciled with Christ. The word our Lord spoke, proclaimed, literally echoed through the cosmos was, It is finished. He was forsaken by the Father. He endured death. He endured the judgment of hell, the flames of, of the cup of wrath for you and for me and for all people. He has paid for every single sin. And for we who are God's children in particular, we've already passed through the judgment in our baptism. Because at that moment when you were born again by the water and the word, you died with Christ. You were crucified with Christ and your sins are no more. We have been freed from the bondage of sin. We have been freed from the chains of slavery, of death, and of Satan's wrath. Or I should say Satan's kingdom. We have been freed from God's wrath because that wrath was poured out on Jesus and given to us vicariously through our baptisms. And having died to sin, we now live a new life. The reason why John says we live in love and not fear is because as we go forth today, as we go forth with the words of the gospel echoing in our hearts, as we go forth with the desire to share this word with others, we don't have to worry that we meet some quota before we come back next week. It's not like the Jehovah Witnesses that say you have to knock on so many doors or else you can't be part of the kingdom. We don't go forth and love our neighbor out of some type of obligation other than the obligation of love and a desire to have them know what we know, have them believe what we believe. Grant unto them the peace which we have, a peace which passes all human understanding. This says, no matter what comes our way and what assails us, we stand firm because the love of God strengthens us and has cleansed us. And truly, at the end of the day, and we'll hear this parable come up later on in the, in the summer, the parable of the unjust steward. But at the end of the day, why is it that we love others? Why does John say we love because he first loved us? Because how can we not? As we understand how wretched of sinners we are, how much we have failed our Lord, and then amazingly recognize what he has done for us, how can we not want to share that with others? Those who are burdened and crushed by this life, those who face that which is unfair, those who are burdened by hatred and whatever it might be, 
How could we not desire to share with them that in Christ is love and forgiveness. In him is abundance and joy. So it is. We forgive, we love, we treat others as God has treated us. Because quite frankly, when you see someone who is steeped in sin, when you see someone who you might say, how could they ever do that? Remember this at the end of the day. But by the grace of God, there go I. But by the Spirit in me who has helped me resist temptation, I would be in that same boat. But by the grace of God who has given me the hope of eternity, the promise of life and the kingdom to come, not by anything I've merited or done, but because of what he has done on the cross, and by the forgiveness and life he has granted us through his resurrection. But by the grace of God and the power of the Spirit, there go I. And quite frankly, we are not immune to falling into sin either. Because the truth is, even with the strength of the Spirit dwelling in us, we too fall. We too stumble. And it is as the Lord said to the woman who was anointing his feet with oil. Remember that whole situation where Judas was aghast because of how much oil was being used? And that money could have gone in the treasury so he could dip from it? Jesus said to her, said about her, the one who is forgiven much loves much. Now, of course, at this time, we might think, well, this is great. I can do whatever I want. Why not go forth and just enjoy life, eat, drink, and be merry, and be about whatever I want to be? Paul puts a quick stop to that, as does John. You know the words of Paul I'm probably thinking of. You've heard me say them enough from Romans 6. Shall we sin that grace may abound? And here, Paul points out, fear has to do with punishment and fear and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. This is not a get-out-of-jail-free card that says, go ahead, do whatever you want. When we talk about loving our neighbor, and truly God loving us first, it's not like God's some type of doddering old grandfather who simply looks at his grandchildren messing around and creating havoc and says, well, boys will be boys. No, it is one who recognizes that love means Yes, forgiving, accepting the person, but it does not, not mean accepting the sin. What does it mean to love those who are in sin? It means, first of all, to proclaim to them that there is a way which is life. That freedom is not a pass to go and do whatever you want, that which leads to death. Why is it that we avoid sin when we've been completely forgiven? It's a simple answer. Because sin is death, and sin harms you, and sin harms your neighbor. And when one is engaged in sin, the loving thing is not to turn your back and ignore it, but to announce it, to declare what sin is, and to discipline. Think of our children. We don't simply let them do whatever we want them to. That's not the loving thing. The loving thing is to raise them in the fear and love of God, to raise them in being loving and kind to their neighbor. And likewise in our world, it is good for us to recognize and to discipline that which is sin. It is part of a fallen world. Here we see how Paul will talk about, yes, we are sons of the kingdom. But even a son, when he is the ruler's son, when he is being raised, is placed under a tutor. 
who disciplines him when he stumbles. And discipline is not judgment. Judgment is being cast out. Judgment is being excluded. Discipline is being perfected. It is showing what God has proclaimed is right and what God has proclaimed is wrong. Announcing the commandments is not a prohibition from life, but is the path to life. Love recognizes, yes, that we are sinners who are in need of forgiveness, who come before the Lord, who can confidently acknowledge our sins, can confess them before the Lord, because we know what the Lord has already done. And it is also a desire to come before the Lord and ask for his help. Lord, when I am struggling with temptation, Lord, when I am doing what I shouldn't be doing, help me, perfect me, strengthen my faith, and strengthen my desire against temptations. John then concludes, though, he points out where this especially is important. He says, if anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God because he has not seen. John is pointing out that as God's people, who have been loved and are loved by him, we go forth and love others. And on the one hand, in a general sense, it's a recognition that we should not view others as inferior to us in any way, regardless of what they are engaged in, regardless of who they are, where they're from, or even what they say to us. We treat all as our Lord has treated us, sharing with them that love. But it can be really difficult the closer those who are sinning against us come to us. It's one thing to look at groups who maybe are opposed to the church who we don't know individuals. But what happens when the person who is sinning sins against you in a stark way? What happens when you, as a child of God, struggle because someone has hurt you, maybe especially another brother or sister in Christ? When it's a minor offense, we can get over and forgive. What if it's a major offense? What if it's something that shatters your life? How do we love the one who has hurt us so drastically? Especially when we recognize that not loving is a danger to our soul. Here again, we recognize that we stand under love and not fear. So we go to the one who loves us. We go to the source of all love. We seek to Jesus as the one to heal us. We confess our sin even here. Lord, I cannot forgive. I know I should, but it's really hard. Maybe I don't even want to right now. Lord, help me. We bow down our heads in prayer. We seek out his aid. And we come to the source of his love, which is here, to be in his word, to be in the presence of his spirit who comes to us, to be nourished by that very gift which saves us, the body and blood of our Lord. It is only through the Lord that we are able to love our brother. It is only through the Lord that we are able to forgive those who have sinned against us. And quite frankly, sometimes that can be a great struggle. But the promise is the Lord will strengthen you. The Lord will lead you to forgiveness. And like all temptations, we may struggle with that throughout our life. We may find that the Lord grants us forgiveness and a day later suddenly we are angered again. And here, as all things, we take it to the Lord, we confess our sins, and he who is faithful and just will forgive your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness.
God is love. Let us rejoice in that love and take comfort in that love, now and always. Amen. And we rise. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. We confess our faith together, confessing the Nicene Creed. I believe.